Hi everybody and welcome back to I Am Journal Club. Our guest today is Dr. Christopher Cannon. He's a cardiologist at Brigham and Women's Hospital and a professor at Harvard Medical School. Izenibib or Zadia plus a moderate intensity statin versus a high intensity statin. That topic might appear a bit dull and maybe not so relevant, but maybe only at first. What might add to the confusion is the study design. It's a non-inferiority trial. However, and I will ask Dr. Cannon about this, this trial might be the answer to a very important question. What do we do with patients who are intolerant to higher doses of statin? Can a statin sparing regimen be the answer? First, the nuts and bolts of the study. This was a randomized controlled trial of a high-intensity statin, rosuvastatin 20mg daily, versus a moderate-intensity statin, 10mg of rosuvastatin daily, plus 10mg of ezetimibe or zedia. The trial recruited 3,780 patients with atherosclerotic cardiovascular disease and followed them for three years. The primary endpoint was the composite of cardiovascular death, major adverse cardiovascular events, or non-fatal stroke and was reached in 9.9% in the high-intensity setting group versus 9.1% in the combination group. The non-inferiority analysis with a safety margin of 2% did not find a statistically significant difference. Let's jump right in. Dr. Cannon, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thanks so much for having me. So you are a cardiologist who has run major trials of statins and other interventions to prevent major adverse cardiovascular and cerebrovascular events. What does it give you as a clinician and investigator to help patients, whether they're your own or whether they're more indirectly affected by your research, to prevent disease? Is that a very abstract thing to think about? Well, I think this is why we're all in medicine, is to be able to help uh, patients directly and then in academic centers where we can try and pull together or do you know, research to find new approaches that then can help others uh, you know, worldwide. Um, it's, it's been a wonderful time in cardiology, but in all of medicine now, certainly in cancer has you know, got amazing advances. Uh, but in cardiology, there's just been in all different areas, so many advances that we can now offer patients that it's it's quite different than when I was an intern of what we could offer. Um, and so that's been wonderful to see of, of all of our collective work has really changed uh, the treatment of patients dramatically. And of course, their outcomes are much better as well. So talking about the racing trial, uh, this was a study with a non-inferiority design, and to summarize, it proved that additional the additional LDL lowering effect of zetimibozedia in combination with the moderate intensity setting translates to a similar reduction of cardiovascular events in ACVD patients compared to a high intensity setting. You were the primary investigator and lead author for the improved investigators and show that adding ezetimibe to a moderate intensity setting can lower um, LDL and uh, cardiovascular events further. Um, what would you say racing adds? Well, this is a wonderful study. And uh, actually back when we were designing the Improve It study, this was a design that we considered and it was about half and half that people wanted to see, could we find a safer alternative to high-dose statin? where sometimes people can't tolerate the high-dose statin and, and need to have a lower dose, either myalgias or, or other you know, liver function test abnormalities or other side effects can happen. 
And so to have this study now showing that that's a perfectly good alternative, it's, you know, not slightly better even, uh, but it has, you know, a little bit more LDL lowering of adding ezetimibe. It, it adds about 25% LDL lowering, which is more than just a doubling of the, of the statin dose. So it, offers another strategy, really, an, an opportunity for patients to get effective lipid lowering if they've had any kind of issues with statins and in the past. And of course, that's incredibly common <laughs> for all of us that, you know, everyone's either read on the internet that the statins are the most evil thing ever invented, or they heard their next door neighbor had problems with statins, so they're not going near it, or, or they've had you know, wondered if they've had issues as well. Um, and so having an alternative to get people going uh, and and th then have effective therapy is, is really wonderful. You would agree this is a godsend for patients who cannot tolerate the high-dose statin. Well, the I find, you know, we certainly in ASCBD patients, we try to get people on high-dose statin. And then if the LDL is not at goal, and so for them, less than 70 milligrams per deciliter is the, the U.S. guideline. Sometimes if it's a recent MI, we'll push even less than 55. Um, so that's more the add-on strategy that we tested and improve it. But then the minute someone has problems with with statins, if there are myalgias, then we quickly will then shift to trying to use a lower dose of a statin, which often is better tolerated. But then, of course, you lose the you know LDL lowering, and so needing to add another agent, and so ezetimibe is is a wonderful thing to then add. And now we have the evidence of this combination of moderate intensity statin and, and ezetimibe being equal uh, to the high-dose statin. Um, so it provides nice evidence for this. Um, and um, I, I hope that it will remind people really that there are alternatives beyond statins. And so the absolute difference between the two groups was 0.8%, and there was no statistically significant difference between the two groups using the predefined 2% non-inferiority margin. Going over the individual results and the second, secondary composite endpoint, as well as the subgroup analysis, there's nothing here that would jump out at you, uh, is there? No, I think, you know, with a sort of a moderate uh size trial uh the minute you start breaking down into individual endpoints they don't have as much power and hence wider confidence limits um you know for the improve it trial adding ezetimibe it's a modest ldl lowering especially on top of we started with an ldl of 70 so we were at the guideline that we had to do an 18000 patient trial um for six years of mean follow up Uh, with 5,000 events, um, you know, this study had, uh, you know, a little under 400 events. So, you know, the improve it trial to really be certain was more than 10 times the, the size. So we were able to look at some of the other more individual components, but I think here one has to match uh, the size of the trial to how much you slice and dice it and, and really just take away that this is a good strategy to be able to use with patients. 
you know, the place that I find this comes up with patients the most is a very appropriate risk of statin therapy of the risk of developing diabetes. And so this has been seen in several of the trials. There have been meta-analyses that there's a, a modest increase in the risk of developing diabetes with regular dose statin and a higher risk if it's high dose statin. So that's, you know, as opposed to some of the crazy side effects that people see on the internet, that's a real one. And so many times patients are concerned about that and, and don't want to be on high dose statin. And so they say, okay, fine, let's use a low dose statin and uh, add ezetimibe. And ezetimibe has no effect on uh, development of diabetes. Um, and, you know, in this racing study, it, it, was close to significantly lower risk of new onset diabetes of this sort of statin sparing strategy versus the high dose statin. So that's probably one of the most common things when I have a patient on moderate dose statin, their LDL is not quite at goal to say, well, we could go up on the dose of the statin or we could add ezetimibe. And there's a benefit of the adding ezetimibe approach that you know you'd avoid some risk. Now that's a, a higher risk in people with prediabetes. Um, obviously, not relevant if they already do have diabetes. That um, that that's not an issue. But um, and so for you know healthy non-obese patients, it's a pretty low risk of developing diabetes. But nonetheless, um, I think we now have this alternate strategy. Yeah, I think in this trial in racing, there was an 8.2% uh, risk uh, in the high-intensity setting group for discontinuation or, uh, discontinuation or dose reduction versus 4.8% in the combination group. Um, so 4.8% is not particularly high, and the the risk is 42% lower in the in the combination group. So I guess that begs the question, should everybody be on a combination therapy? Well, um, you know, the part of the reason that we stick with statins first is probably the, the evidence base is so large that we've done trials for 30 or 40 years now. Um, and, you know, proven mortality benefit is seen in different settings. Um, and so I think it's very reasonable to start with the statins and, you know, have tolerated a higher dose. Um, but I think now, if there are issues, it used to be that, oh, they can't tolerate a statin, that would be the end of the road, or, oh, we have to just use the lower dose, that's all they can tolerate, that now we move on to make sure that we reach the LDL goal um, with alternate approaches. There is a, a, a move afoot in cardiology to speak about earlier use of combination therapy. Typically, it's a step-by-step -step approach, and, and I have to say, I almost always do that of a step-by-step but the notion of if someone came in, say, with a with an MI, and their baseline LDL was 175, uh, um, that it's unlikely, even with high dose statin, that they'll, they'll get to, you know, less than 70. That uh, one could say, well, let's start with high dose statin and azetamide to make sure that they get to goal. So earlier use of combination uh, does make sense. There are um, all the 
cost issues that sometimes if you're taking two pills, it's two copays. And, you know, and amazingly enough, insurance companies and different pharmacies charge crazy different prices, you know, that CVS versus Walmart is this often much higher price for some of the statins and for Zetamib. And it's, so there's sort of cost barriers as well that sometimes get in the way of this and just about every other medicine we try and prescribe. Yeah, I guess that would be another concern, uh, lower adherence with more pills, especially if patients are already on treatment for uh, hypertension or diabetes. Um, but there's these fixed dose uh, combinations available now for Azetamib beyond Simvastatin. I think there's a combination pill with uh, Rosuvastatin and also in other parts of the world, maybe with Atovastatin. Have you had experience um, prescribing these? Um, have you had any issues with pharmacies or insurance plans? Well, I, I certainly have. I usually do you know, get to them by adding the individual ones in part to sort of make sure that if someone did have a side effect, we'd know which one new medication we just added that one could attribute it to. Um, but it is available that then reduces the copay, reduces pill burden. So I think it certainly is an option. Um, and And they are used more widely, I'd say, in Europe. Uh, so it's it's definitely an option. You know, the poly pill would um, is a little bit of that concept that they're having a lipid lowering, but also usually blood pressure and antiplatelet agent as well. Um, you know, the tricky part with with that is dosing. That um, you know, if you have to adjust the dose of one or the other agent, then you have to get a whole new pill and. You know, and then I don't understand the insurance and the pharmacy coverage that, you know, on all these generic medications, depending on what plan and pharmacy you land in, there's wildly different prices. And and so the same is true with the combination. They'll say, oh, it's not covered or, you know, just the formularies of the different insurance often are a barrier. So if there's no uh, fixed dose combination available, um should patients who can tolerate high intensity statins, um, sh should we keep them on uh, on those and not yet switch them to a moderate dose statin plus Zadia, given there might be the same effect on cardiovascular events, and maybe there might be lower adherence with uh, more pills, even if there is maybe a slightly lower risk of uh, diabetes. Well, I think, you know, patients are tolerating things well that I think sticking with that, you know, high-dose high statin therapy has had, you know, a multitude of trials, each showing benefit. Um, but, you know, if, you know, tracking the hemoglobin A1C can be a factor. So if you start to see it trending upward, that would be a reason to say, gee whiz, maybe let's go to a lower dose statin and azetamibe, you know, if, if they're at goal. Um, so I don't think one needs to think about switching people who are doing well, but if there are issues with muscle aches or new onset diabetes, you know, that certainly can be a good reason to, and, and we have evidence to say now that it's, that's a good idea. <laughs> hmm. Going back to the paper, um, if you look at the Kaplan-Meier curve for the primary endpoint, you already mentioned that there's a slight, um, difference, uh, would you expect that maybe to increase over more than three years, maybe become statistically significant if you did a superiority design? And if so, maybe the difference would probably only be tiny, wouldn't it? 
Well, you know, the, the difference of outcomes has been seen to be directly related in all the different trials to the amount of LDL difference between what you're treating. And so there was just a modest, I think it was about eight milligrams per deciliter difference in LDL. And so, you know, that's a, a modest difference. Um, and so one wouldn't actually expect it to be that much better. So you'd have to have a gigantic trial, even bigger than improve it. In improve it, when we added azetamibe to the same background statin, it was about a 17 milligram per deciliter difference. And that was starting at, you know, 70. Other trials, when you add azetamibe, it's a little bit more. If you start with, say, a background of 100, say, you know, that absolute difference in LDL is what uh, determines the relative benefit overall. So I, I don't know that, um, you know, the benefits are generally proportional, uh, often takes a, about a year or so to start seeing benefit, but sometimes we see things sooner, but but it's generally proportional over time. So I think that the finding is sort of exactly what you'd expect, just ever so slightly better with this ever so slightly lower LDL, and then, you know, a bit better on the safety profile. And on the other end, as a as a trialist, would you have expected maybe a smaller difference if there had been a double blind design? Um, I don't, not necessarily. You know, the the endpoints here are big events. You know, MI, stroke, hospitalization for you know heart failure, PAD, and you know, so those are usually well documented, and and there's not a big difference. Um, you know, in open label designs, it's sometimes a little tricky in strategy things, but, um, you know, this, I don't think that would have been a big factor. Great. And then finally, in terms of the mechanism of action, zetamibe is a selective inhibitor of cholesterol absorption. Um, what about the anti-inflammatory and the pleiotropic effects of statins? Are they maybe less important than we used to think? Um, no, I think, you know, there are anti-inflammatory effects with azetamibe. You do see a reduction in CRP. So there's an anti-inflammatory component of it. I don't know the exact mechanism, but, uh, you know, it was proportional roughly to what uh, about half of the difference of high dose versus regular dose statin, but nonetheless, a significantly lower um, HSCRP was seen in improve it adding azetamibe. So th there are, there is that component with this therapy. I, I should note that that's not seen with PCSK9 inhibitors, interestingly, that there's not a reduction in CRP, uh, but there is with, with azetamibe. So, you know, we have seen, you know, much of the benefit relates to LDL lowering. Some of it may relate to anti-inflammatory effects and ultimately will tell best with the pure anti-inflammatory drug. So as initially tested in the Cantos trial, there are other trials ongoing now with more potent anti-inflammatory agents to see, does that translate into benefit? And then we can try and tease out how much benefit with the statin was attributable just to the LDL versus um, to the anti-inflammatory component. And then is there anything else that you want to convey to our listeners and viewers? Well, I think my big takeaway in the last several years with this trial included is that we now have lots of options to uh, treat cholesterol. <laughs> uh, and so 
it's it had been that oh we have problems with statins and that was sort of the end of the road of the discussion but now azetamib is next but then we have pcsk9 bempedoic acid colacevilam is well called the, the brand name you know so all those things are options that we can offer to patients and so if there are issues with patients tolerating different things you know often there are lipid clinics i'm part of the group uh, you know uh, at the brigham that uh, you know had to, you know receives lots of these patients to find regimens that work but you know in primary care now realizing that oh we have good evidence for zetamide that can simply be added next as part of routine lipid management um with a with a good evidence base now um you know, we didn't talk about, but there is a primary prevention trial with azetamib alone. It was called Utopia 75. Uh, so no statin background adding azetamib in elderly primary prevention patients, and there was a significant benefit. So in the different ways to use it, uh, we have trials showing benefits. So it, it can sort of make its way into routine care, I'd say, in, in primary care as, as another thing to, to offer to patients to get their LDL down. Dr. Cannon, thank you so much for this conversation. Well, thank you very much for having me. Here are my four personal takeaways from our conversation with Dr. Cannon. First, 10 milligrams of rosuvastatin plus 10 milligrams of ezetimibe is as effective as 20 milligrams of rosuvastatin in preventing maize in ACVD patients. Second, ezetimibe is an add-on option when the statin dose has to be lowered, for example in patients with statin-related side effects or at risk for diabetes, for example, pre-diabetic patients. Third, lowering LDL is proportional to reducing the maze risk. And fourth, ezetimibe is anti-inflammatory. Thank you for listening to or watching this episode of I Am Journal Club. If you liked this episode, please subscribe to our YouTube channel or our podcast and recommend us to a friend or a colleague. See you in the next episode.